0: Uh, I'm meeting today with Joe Way of Joe Way Architects in his very uh, distinctive uh, offices here in Yaletown.
1: Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Stephen.
0: You know, when I saw, I met you, of course, uh, one evening at the uh, the art gallery, at the Centre A uh, show, and I noticed on your name card that you were in Yaletown. I thought, boy, uh, Joe is a pretty fashionable uh, architect. But I gather that uh, you made that decision long, long ago.
1: On the contrary, right. I'm anything but fashionable. Uh-huh.
0: I notice, too, uh, of course, as I sit here in your office, I notice a lot of uh, uh, artifacts and drawings uh, that are, uh, reflect your uh, knowledge and your background in Chinese architecture. Although I presume most of your work has had nothing to much to do with Chinese architecture.
1: Well, yes and no. I, I suppose, uh, aside from obvious interest in it, uh, partly because it's a part of uh, my heritage, uh, but on the other hand, it's it's uh, it's something you that fascinates me, and it's something that uh, you, c- I find that you can, I uh, not so much use as. I learned about it, and because we're up, we have grown up in Canada, by and large. That uh, it seemed like a, a part of your heritage, you never got a chance to study. To know much about.
0: But, but initially, uh, I mean, did you study here or did you study in? in Kong, or where do you I, take I, your
1: I was born in Hong Kong and came here when I was about eleven or twelve.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: So uh, I, I went through high school here and right, university and here. university
0: here. Yeah. So presumably, as a as a struggling architect, uh, most of your original work the, when you first started working would have been in more conventional uh, yes. Yes. buildings or structures or, yeah. or, or homes that yeah. had very little to do with uh, the Chinese. Very little. Very little. Yeah. So at what end were you at what point were you able to start introducing some of the, the Chinese influence in your work?
1: Well the main uh, event is the San Yatsen Gardens.
0: Oh I see. Okay, yeah. So you were involved with the San Yatsen
1: Gardens. Yes, yes. Very we were uh, I was involved in Chinese cultural center first. Right. Uh, about 30 years ago. Right. When the idea of putting something permanent on the path that the city was contemplating and putting freeway on
0: so it's as much a political issue. Absolutely, as
1: absolutely. Okay. absolutely. All right. And at okay. the same time, we got into the designing of the cultural center. Uh, there were a number mm-hmm. of us uh, working on the notion of that that we must have authentic a form of authenticity of Chinese architecture, this classical architecture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know you can't build those things, and particularly in those days, we never, never knew that any any of the old technology, would uh, craftsmanship, would be available. But in order to have that, uh, a, a the traditional classical look, you uh, the counterpart of that is the Chinese garden. So right. by that time, we're proposing the Chinese garden. We don't own any land. We didn't have any money. So uh, we walked around with this enormous model that is 40 acres worth.
0: And where did you get the model from?
1: We made it ourselves.
0: But you must have been inspired by something. Yes,
1: you we were, uh, they were. You know, we were young and idealistic and. And thought we knew everything.
0: (laughs) But but was there uh, was there a garden in China that you took? There was this uh, in Suzhou or Hangzhou or.
1: We we knew of them. Uh, In Those days, of course, China had the doors were closed. Right. And you can only know from previous uh, uh, books and 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 there are a lot of in terms of the Chinese culture itself. It talks about gardens, poems, uh, novels. They all mention them. So you have a notion of what it is. Uh, so, but we didn't know what it was and, until the first time I w- was sent back there in 1975. Went to Sujo, and I couldn't believe what it was. It just blew my mind. A- and and all everything you heard about every, uh, is all true, except it's better. Right. right then and there, I said to my colleagues, we must have one, <laughs> however bold that was. And of course, we had no money or anything.
0: This was 75. But you said you started in 72 with the, project. With, the oh, with the Cultural Center. with the Cultural Center. Oh, I see. So yep. the garden project didn't begin until 75.
1: No, the garden project didn't come to 1980. 1980. Oh, okay. We were still busy doing the Cultural Center. Right. We still could, couldn't, haven't put the Cultural Center together yet. This uh-huh. is in conjunction with the Cultural Center for a authentic Chinese building. You have to have a garden. Right. The yin and the yang, so to right. speak. So, anyway, we finally got the Cultural Center going in 78, 79, 80, and then the garden became all of an accident and, and a variety of situations later. We were very, very fortunate. I consider uh, a Lou Gehrig uh, disciple, Consider myself the luckiest man on earth to be selected to look after the garden. Uh, and they could have done it n- a number of other ways. Right. And uh, and from then on, I got a chance to go to work with these people from Sujo. Who just finished a small little garden in the museum of, um, uh, in, in in of more nine, I think it is, in Metropolitan Museum in New York, and th- th- even at that time, China was just opening the doors to the outside, ping pong, diplomacy, etc. And I was really amazed that they have these people still available, the craftsmanship, the understanding of the design of gardens, mm-hmm. and and we we worked with them, went over. To China to to study the gardens with them uh, and make suggestions, and they were the ones who really taught me and us a few of us a lot about how things are. But I think that's just a seed of opening up into what is potentially a just a very profound and endless depth of uh, aspects of Chinese culture.
0: It's funny, you know, when I go to Chinatown and not having. struck by those buildings with their balconies yep. and how they look down on the street. And having lived in, in Hong Kong and visited uh, China in the late 60s and the 70s, I certainly feel that uh, even though the nature of the buildings is different, there is a relationship to that. It's it's unfortunate somehow that that doesn't come out as much today in the mumbo-jumbo that you see down there. That uh, But if you look at those buildings, they're quite remarkable uh, Buildings.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's a uh, it, it have a resemblance to Hong Kong, Macau, and Guangzhou buildings of the 19th and 20th century. a uh, majority of, the, of Vancouver's Chinatown and of Chinatown North America was built in a latter part of the 19th century and early 20th century. And where do they turn to to build these buildings? And uh, what are they used for? I mean, 90% of the people were male, they're single, and they belong to the same village or association, they're all Wongs or Lees or Mars. so each one of these guys built the group built a, 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 the the building. Now, where did they draw examples of? They don't have any Chinese Canadian architects. We were not born then yet. Uh, our predecessors were not born. They're not allowed to practice anyway. Uh, the thing is that they draw. They have they have local, so to speak, British architects or Canadian architects. Uh, they tell them what they want, uh, which. They have an idea. They have pictures, maybe, back in Hong Kong, back in Macau. The influ- it's all very vertical. They have balconies. They have cornices. And they, uh, they, and they also have a through breeze through the building. They have light, large light wells inside, except we don't need it here. Uh, they're narrow because they emulate Hong Kong and Guangzhou because it was very humid. They're, they're overshadowing each one. They protect each other from the side of the street. Then they're through through a large a clear story mezzanines high ceilings the wind and, and, and uh, can flow through and at the same time uh, in, in North America the, the sort of gingerbread Victorian architecture was on that was the fashion of the day and the architect just married the two things right. you get little doodads and decorative things on top very Victorian version of cornices right. and verticality and this is what we got now as time goes on Uh, Now they've been deteriorating for some time. And because of the freeway uh, uh, debates in the 60s, uh, we managed to get Chinatown and Gastown declared historical. They can't touch them. Okay, which is fine. We saved them. But we also can't redevelop them.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And uh, over the last 30 years or so, uh, it's gone the building bylaw has gone much more stringent you have to have not only elevators you have fire escapes you have sprinkler systems and anybody touching them we have a h- heck of a time making economics sense of them right. so a lot of them have deteriorated uh, we, we've been continuing looking into things like this what can be done there have been some relaxation to and some maybe heritage assistance to uh, 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 renovating uh, There's some bonuses for uh, density elsewhere for the same owner, they, they transfer it. And hopefully, uh, uh, some of these buildings would get uh, resurrected. We're working on one or two of them. It takes a long time.
0: One last point I'd like to leave with here, and I, and I obviously it's, it's very interesting to hear of your uh, involvement and your commitment to uh, improving Chinatown. And I think it might be interesting to, t- to touch briefly on the Gate
1: Project. Mm. Yeah, that the gate idea the first gate idea is, is, is that we know of goes back to early ni- 20th century the, uh, there's a large sort of gate uh, entrance built in 1936 in bamboo on uh, the block 17 uh, for the Vancouver's uh, 50th anniversary uh, but that was in, ban- in bamboo it was uh, designed to be uh, taken down in the, the year uh, the gate over Pender Street it have been talked about for at least 25 years that I'm aware of. Uh, each time, this is to cost. Each time, people mm-hmm. in Chinatown argue where it should be. <laughs> and uh, in yeah. the irony is, because 1986, after Expo, the government of China gave a gate to the community. They more or less made them an offer they can't refuse. So there was a lot of debate of where to put it. And uh, by 1986. The community is such that I still worry about if you put a gate in a certain place, that means we're locked in again, that we're again going back to be a ghetto. So they put it on, on in front of the cultural center that is not really a gate of crossing the street. I guess 15 years later now, two or three years ago, this new or oh, a large organization put together, put the Millennium Gate together. Uh, no, now people are far more confident that putting a gate there would not shut us in us being Chinatown, and, and it's more a like demarcation or celebration of, of of the boundary or the scene between, so to speak, downtown and Chinatown.
0: Well, on that note, then I want to thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, we look forward to seeing the gate open before the June. Pleasure. Thank you very much.